Hi, welcome to White Collar Crimes. I am your host, Ryan Horn, the show where we show you the only color that truly matters in our criminal justice system is green. Great to have you aboard, as always. You know, tonight we're going to talk a little bit some more. We've been in some recent episodes talked about some government corruption forms of white collar crime, and we're going to take a stroll into that again this episode. And for my Illinois fellow Illinoisans listening to this, it's going to have an Illinois theme. We're going to talk about uh, good old Blago, Rod Blagojevich. Uh, I was just talking about him and some other governors to one of the classes I teach the other night. Some of the students that are in this class I teach joined from another state via Zoom, and I was explaining to them that Illinois in the last 50, 60 years, we've had four governors at one time or another do time and serve time in prison, and we have a joke here that this is the only state where the governors make their own license plates. You know, that's another kind of a running joke that we have here in Illinois, and we're going to talk about uh, one of them that uh, had this infamous history here, and you know, in the last year or so has kind of gotten you know back into the spotlight and back into the news some but uh rod blagojevich you know is no different than a lot of other illinois politicians he's certainly not the first governor or high-ranking official we've had in this state go to prison probably certainly won't be the last uh the last like i said in the last half century or so we've had you know five four of them go and some other ones probably uh, flirting with that a time or other. And, you know, we had recently longtime uh, Illinois Speaker of the House, Michael Madigan, had to resign. You know, corrupt, certainly a very corrupt reputation surrounded him, but he did manage to get out of office without ever being charged with anything or doing any time, type of crime for, or doing any time for his crimes. But so far, so far uh, since Blagojevich left, we haven't had any of the last two in the current one so far have managed to avoid doing any time so for now this streak seems to have been broken but who knows in this 21st century alone we've had two we had george ryan in the earlier part of this decade or i should say this century and then of course rod blagojevich or blago as he's known and he did certainly garner a lot of media attention when he was in politics. He had a very flamboyant style, jet black hair, which we found out when he was going to prison, of course, was dyed. And he was supposedly had an Elvis room where he liked to jam and dress up like Elvis. So he couldn't have been too bad of a guy, I guess, if he was a big Elvis fan. Not, not in my book, you know, his political corruption withstanding. If he was a big Elvis fan, he couldn't have been too bad of a guy, I guess. But his was also linked to a lot of uh, other scandals prior to the one that ended up sending him to prison even. You know, there was a lot of scandal even that preceded that. His case became kind of a national sensation, so to speak, because of its link to what would be future President Obama. And we'll see in a little bit how that came about to bring him down. His story is sad in a sense, I think, because it could have been a true American success story. He was born in Chicago to Yugoslavian immigrant parents, was not born into wealth or power or influence like a lot of people who reach higher political office like he did, like a lot of them are. And 
he managed to kind of work his way up in life, so to speak, was supposedly a very hardworking uh, young kid and young man, would work as a shoe shiner, pizza delivery guy, anything he could to kind of help support his family, he did that, supposedly. And in high school, he was also known to be a pretty decent athlete. He was in basketball, and actually, we found out later, even Golden Gloves boxing, you know, apparently was a halfway decent boxer at one time. And after high school, he went on to study at the University of Tampa, later transferred to Northwestern University, which is a, you know, very prominent school. Got his bachelor's degree in history, and from there, he ended up earning a law degree later from Pepperdine Law School in California, another pretty, you know, prestigious school. And he later married Patricia Mill, and she was the daughter of a powerful Chicago alderman and Democrat Party, you know, powerhouse, Dick Mill. And this opened the door for him, of course, to get into politics. And after law school, he began a career as an assistant state's attorney. And for those of you that are not aware, in Illinois, that's what we call the prosecutor, the DA, the district attorney is what a lot of other states call him. In Illinois, we call it the state's attorney. And obviously him being an assistant, that meant he worked under the direction of the state's attorney of Cook County, which in most places in the country, the DA or the state's attorney is an elected position. And the assistants serve under them and, you know, do most of the legwork and the trial work and the day-to-day operations and, you know, prosecution of crime that 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 office is involved in and that's what he did kind of to get started out a little bit supposedly he was good and kind of specialized in some domestic abuse cases uh felony weapons cases things like that by 1992 with support from his well-connected father-in-law he decided to run for the illinois house of representatives which is you know it's known here in illinois as the general assembly uh, you know, different names in different, and it's also known as the Illinois House of Representatives. It's just kind of like Congress at the state level. You know, most other states have something to this effect, and that's what he had, and that was his first taste at elected office. And after serving a couple terms, he decided to shoot for higher stars, and he decided to run for the actual federal, you know, national Congress, the United States House of Representatives, and he ran for Illinois' 5th Congressional District up there in Chicago, and he won. Uh, He didn't really have to probably do a whole lot other than have the D next to his name. Any of you that are familiar with, you know, Chicago politics, uh, it's basically impossible for any, you know, Republican or any other type of office or any other type of political party to get elected to anything in Chicago. So the Democrat primaries are really the true elections in Chicago. We saw that recently, you know, when they had the Chicago mayor's race and things like that. It's basically a one-party city. So whomever can win the Democrat primaries ends up going all the way and winning the regular election. And this seat, coincidentally, was one time held by Dan Rostenkowski. Now, some of you younger folks may not remember him, but I certainly remember him back in my days when I was in college and then later on uh, after I got out a few years later he was you know again very corrupt part of that you know well-known corrupt Chicago political machine and eventually due to a variety of of corruption charges he did end up eventually going down and going to federal prison now if I recall correctly I believe he ended up getting a little bit of an early release because he had some type of cancer and was in very poor health and I think he died pretty shortly after his release but It took a long time, and, you know, he ran 
you know, the Chicago political machine and their corruption and power is known really throughout the country, not just here in Illinois. And he was right in the thick of it and, you know, very good and very skilled at that. And uh, he actually did end up doing some time for it, which opened the door for one of the very rare times in that seat. A Republican held that seat for a very brief period of time before Blagojevich challenged that Republican and then beat him out and knocked him out. Now, his time as a congressman was fairly brief and not really anything substantial. Uh, There's no record of him ever getting any meaningful legislation passed or anything like that or any type of bills ran that he got ran through or you know no no famous speeches or anything from the house floor he just kind of was there and filled out a seat but very ambitious young man and he decided even to go up higher than that he wanted to and in 2002 he entered the democrat party's nomination for governor And he did narrowly win that nomination over former Attorney General Roland Burris, Illinois Attorney General, that is. And in the general election here in Illinois, he defeated Jim Ryan, who at that time was the Illinois Attorney General. He was one of the last, you know, handful of Republicans that's held statewide office in this this state. Back then, in 2002, nearly 20 years ago, Illinois politics was fairly competitive back then. Now it's pretty much as one party rural statewide. It's Democrat and that's it. At that time, uh, you could, there were still competitive races in this state. Now, unfortunately for Jim Ryan, who, as I said, was the attorney general at this time, got elected back in 94 and was, you know, still serving in that post. He was dogged by the connections to George Ryan, who had gone on to prison. And, you know, the last name was the same. They both held statewide office. And a lot of people, you know, let's face it, voters don't always do the best research when they go to the polls. And that happened here. And in the end, that last name is what killed Jim Ryan. He really had no chance. And he lost to uh, Bogoyevich and Bogoyevich becomes the next governor. And you know, at that time, like I said, it was uh, considered a pretty good success story. You know, a, a son of some immigrants, working class roots, built his way up and worked his way up from shoe shine boy, so to speak, uh, to governor. But someday, unfortunately, all that would be overshadowed by his corruption and his own downfall. And he served the first term pretty non not a lot of controversy, anything like that surrounding it at the time, at least not till towards the end when he began running for re-election, but he was re-elected in 2006. But like I said, some allegations of corruption did begin to, to kind of surface at this point. But, you know, in Illinois, he had the Chicago machine behind him, and that was pretty much all he needed. So after years of federal investigations, the U.S. Attorney prosecuting attorney in the Chicago area, Patrick Fitzgerald, he did finally bring some federal charges against Blagojevich, and he had him arrested at his home on December 9th, 2008. I remember that day very well, all over the news. I was working as a correctional officer at the county jail at that time, and, uh, you know, it was big news. It was all over, you know, national news there. A state governor had been handcuffed and taken out of his home, you know, and charged. And like his predecessor, George Ryan, he was alleged to have operated a lot of, you know, pay-to-play schemes. And and we all know this goes on in politics, certainly not just Illinois. But the problem is, you know, you can't do it, even though, let's face it, we all know it does go on, you know, legally. 
you can't run pay to play schemes, but that's exactly, you know, just like George Ryan was doing, which we're going to talk about him in an upcoming episode as well. But that's what Blagojevich was doing. And as we'll see in a minute, he had the really big one that we all know that ended up being his downfall and his undoing. And the FBI, as I said, they took some time in getting these charges and things together against him. And the FBI wiretap recording, we all remember this now because it's infamous. And the one line that was his undoing was, I got this thing and it's bleeping golden. I'm not just going to give it up for nothing. Now, we found out what he was talking about. That was the seat of former senator and soon-to-be president Barack Obama because when a person vacates a Senate seat like that and it becomes vacant, it is the job of the governor to appoint that replacement. And a lot of people were vying for this seat. You know, a United States senator, there's only a hundred of them in our country. It's a pretty prominent, high-up political office. A lot of people vying for it. And as he said, I just don't want to give it up for nothing. And he was going to sell it to the highest bidder. And that's exactly what uh, Prosecutor Fitzgerald accused him of, trying to sell Obama's now vacant Senate seat to the highest bidder. Well, quickly, the Illinois House moved on things. And in a 114 to 1 move, they decided to impeach him. Illinois Senate, 59 senators here in Illinois, all 59 of them voted to impeach and remove him as well. And he was impeached and removed and replaced by then Lieutenant Governor Pat Quinn, which Pat Quinn, although he did get reelected a few years later and then was uh, beaten a few years after that by Bruce Rauner, at least Quinn did break the long or the, you know, string of a couple successive governors here in Illinois going to prison. Quinn did manage to stay out of prison in his time in office and managed to even, uh, if I, when I remember it, he came in, he did fire some of Blagojevich's cronies and, and things like that. But nonetheless, uh, he did come in with a lot of controversy and things overshadowing him as well. Now, Blagojevich professed his innocence. He went on the talk show circuit, which, you know, I'm not sure his attorneys probably, I imagine they probably advised him against this, but that's what he ended up doing. And he was eventually indicted on criminal charges shortly after this, actually in April of 2009, for attempting to sell the seat vacated by Obama. 24 total federal charges. And in August 2000, August 17, 2010, he was convicted for lying to the FBI. 23 other charges resulted in basically a hung jury. One they got him to stick with was lying to the FBI. Same thing, if I recall right, they got Martha Stewart on. And, you know, a lot of people out there say, well, he's certainly not the only politician that's lied to the FBI, but nonetheless, they made it stick with him. And he was later actually retried and convicted on some of these offenses, not all of them, but he was later retried and, and convicted on these. And he was eventually sentenced to federal prison and he began to serve his time in federal prison in Colorado. Now, he appealed the 14-year sentence that he got, but it was upheld. And he pretty much served his time, uh, as we saw, I remember a couple years ago, prior to his release in Illinois, they showed pictures of him, and you know, gone was the 
the stylish, flamboyant, jet black hair, because, you know, in prison he could no longer dye it or anything like that. Um, I remember his wife got on, uh, you know, one of these reality shows, the, you know, get me out of here or help me, I'm a celebrity, whatever the name of that show is. He was, you know, she was one of the contestants on there saying they were having a hard time, obviously, without him there to, you know, help, you know, earn money and support the family. She had to do pretty much what she had to do. But he kind of fell under the radar there for a while and, you know, just was doing his time. But if you recall last year in 2020, February 18th to be exact, he did kind of get thrust back into the spotlight when President Trump commuted his sentence. Now, I want to make everyone understand the difference between commute and pardon because I remember this day very well. And, you know, a lot of the anti-Trump people I know were just going nuts that he, quote, pardoned. Rod Blagojevich. Well, he didn't. A pardon and a commutation of sentence are two different things. You know, when a sentence is commuted, it doesn't mean it's voided or anything like it never happened like a pardon does. It just means it's shortened. You know, at that time, Blagojevich had done, you know, I think about eight years or something like that, maybe or a little more in prison, eight, nine years. And, you know, he'd done a good chunk of the sentence, not all of it, but he'd done a good chunk of it. And he got released, but the felony on his record remains. Um, he was disbarred here in Illinois. He did appeal to try to, you know, get back and have his license, law license, you know, remain active and things like that. The Illinois Bar Association has stripped him of it, which they will do when someone has a felony conviction. So he certainly still has the, you know, the penalties, so to speak, to go along with having a felony conviction. But yes, he was let out early and that's what happens when a sentence is commuted but that's what a lot of people need to understand there is actually the difference between a commuted sentence and a pardoned sentence you know if he would have been pardoned and yes it's like it basically would have never happened and he could have gone back and practiced law and done whatever and gotten a pension you know kept his pension blah 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 on and on that didn't happen all he basically got was out of prison earlier now who knows why President Trump did that. I personally have my suspicions since Blagojevich, as they said, quote, knew where all the bodies were buried. I think he probably gave them some information. I, I don't find it coincidental that it wasn't long after this. The longtime crooked speaker of the House, Michael Madigan, as I said, was forced to finally step down. And, you know, he did manage to avoid any criminal charges, but he was forced to step down out of office and no longer enjoying that power and privilege that he had for decades i mean nearly you know 40 years or more so that could be something i think blagojevich probably had a role and in, in a hand in that now the other governors like i said we've had george ryan that went but we've also had a, a governor named otto kerner jr and dan walker jr that have also gone on before them in prison and we may do some shows on them down the road so stay tuned especially my illinois friends and family here now, following his release, Blagojevich has become kind of an advocate for criminal justice reform. You know, having seen the inside personally, he knows uh, how brutal and whatnot it can be and, you know, what we need to do to fix that and, you know, changes maybe that need to be made. So he has become an advocate for criminal justice reform. And, you know, like I said, not everybody's thrilled about him being out. You know, he did get stripped of his law license and, you know, I'm sure a lot of people probably will still shun him and, you know, he'll never be a governor or, you know, any type of powerful person that he will be again. But he has continued to speak out against the Madigan machine and the corruption that came from that, you know, and claim that he certainly wasn't the only 
corrupt politician in Illinois involved in all this, and I agree he definitely wasn't. And like I said, that I think is part of the reason why maybe President Trump went ahead and gave him that pardon is to find out a little bit more about this corrupt machine and you know help bring it down. And I guess it probably worked somewhat, although there were no criminal charges brought against Madigan. He is no longer, you know, in, in a position to, you know, really abuse authority like he, you know, did in opinion of a lot of us here, you know, over the years. Now, it's reported that uh, Blagojevich, you know, is still kind of involved in speaking out and, you know, commentating on politics. In fact, he has a podcast just like, you know, we have here. And, you know, if you're out there listening, uh, Governor Blagojevich, we'd be glad to have you on this show to chat about, you know, criminal justice reform or something like that sometime, you know, if you're available, because, uh, you know, Illinois has got a lot of, you know, interesting politics, and I think he could probably shed some light on some of it, and unfortunately, I think as long as the corrupt machine exists in Chicago, we're going to see from time to time these kind of things happen. Unfortunately, I don't think they happen enough, and there are tons of other people in Illinois politics that are walking the streets right now free and enjoying life and should probably be behind bars, in my opinion. But, you know, that's a discussion for another day. But, uh, you know, he has done his time and he is on parole and gets a second crack at life. And, you know, if he can make a good go of it, who knows? We'll see what he does. But uh, I'm sure we haven't heard the last of him and, and many other, uh, you know, even George Ryan will be talking about, you know, has done some time and I understand he's out in the free man now, which, you know, we'll cover him and some others as well. But again, it's not always just the rich businessman that's involved in these white collar crimes. Here you have governor of, you know, one of the biggest states in the country, uh, you know, trying to sell out a Senate seat to the highest bidder. You know, we saw it and it's got us where we are now. And, you know, I'm sure we haven't seen the last of uh, incidents like this in this country. So stay tuned because we will be talking about him on this show. And as always, we do appreciate you tuning in. Uh, like us on Facebook. You know, you can follow me on my website as well, ryan-horn.com. Some of my voiceover work I'm involved in as well as this show. And you can donate if you like. We do have a link on the Anchor page. You can donate and support us for actually as little as a dollar a month. And we all, above all, do like it that you support our show by listening. We love having you aboard wherever you're listening from. We have people that listen all over the country and even in other countries. And we're glad to have you aboard and to help educate you about white collar crime. These are crimes that don't get enough headlines and enough attention from the media. And we try to bring that about here. So appreciate you joining in and we look forward to you joining in on the next one. Take care, everybody.